You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network Flashback Friday, opening the doors of the vault of the Survivor Oz in terms of our classic interviews and episodes. This week, we are playing our interview with Boston Rob Mariano, one of the greats in the history of Survivor. And, of course, we're about to see him on our screens again for Island of the Idols and then the following season, Winners at War. So, uh, very exciting to have him on the show several years ago. And this is our chat that we had with him. I'm not even going to give much of an introduction because it's a great chat and you're going to listen to it right now here on Flashback Friday. Rob Mariano competed on the fourth season in the Marquesas, where he finished in 10th place. The eighth season of All Stars, where he finished in 2nd place. The 20th season of Heroes vs. Villains, where he finished in 13th place. And the 22nd season of Redemption Island, where he outwitted, outplayed and outlasted everyone to be declared the sole survivor. Often labelled as the greatest player to have ever played the game, Boston Rob is the only ever player to have played four times and has not only gone down in Survivor history with numerous records to his name, but has also gone on to be a strong part of pop culture outside the game as well. I spoke to Rob about why he would want to vote me off first if he was to ever play the game with me, watching cricket and surfing with Tyson and James in Australia, as well as not remembering Amber from her original season in Australia, as well as which former winners he most respects and would love to play Survivor against. Rob, massive honour to have you here on Survivor Oz. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. I'm happy to uh, happy to accommodate. i got to give a shout-out to my buddy, uh, Sean Rector. He's the one that kind of put this thing together for us. Huh? Yes, absolutely. I was going to say a big thank you to Sean, actually, before we, we got into any of this, because um, we, we spoke to Sean a couple of months back, and I, I asked him the question, what are the chances, putting a good word with us to Boston Rob. He's come through. We're chatting to you today, so uh, we owe everything to Sean right now, Rob. <laughs> Well, let's not give him too much credit, but I, I saw him in Los Angeles a few weeks ago, and uh, he said that you were pretty adamant about about what you're doing and uh, having me on, so I'm happy to be able to uh, come on and chat with you and everybody over there in Australia. Well, uh, we, we love you here because um, we, we get so many requests to have you on the show. I think in all of our uh, people, we get requested you're easily in the top five. We have a, a strong following on Twitter from people who are often asking to get you on here because I know you've never played the game here in Australia, Rob, but uh, obviously Amber did, and you have a very strong following in this country, and you visited here, obviously, uh, during Heroes vs. Villains, I believe, after you were voted off. I did, I did indeed. Uh, myself and Tyson and James came over for about three weeks, and uh, we had a blast. You know, we did we did all the touristy things. We climbed the uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge and went diving with the sharks and surfing out at your beaches, which are beautiful, by the way, and uh, you guys got a great country over there. We had a, we had a lot of it's good to hear that because I think also we spoke to uh, when we spoke to Sandra, she mentioned that I believe on the way to Samoa that you also had a connecting flight through Sydney. So I, I mentioned to her that it would have been fun for all the Survivor fans in the airport trying to think to themselves, "Hang on, why is Boston Rob here? Why is Sandra here? And all these people on the way to uh, film another All Star season?" I didn't travel through uh, Sandra. I think it's mistaken. Right. She's out of them. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she was on a different flight, but I'm pretty sure we went direct from uh, from Los Angeles to up here. But we definitely stopped in after myself, Tyson, and James anyway. And uh, just if there's any controversy, I'm a much better surfer than Tyson. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, nah, he's a good guy. We, uh, we, had a, we had a lot of fun there. Your country's, uh, you guys got a great culinary, a lot of food that was really awesome. I mean... We came off from, I think, uh, 20 days of starving to death, but uh, that was one of the things that stood out of my mind 
was uh, you guys had awesome restaurants and just a lot to do. It was a lot of fun. Mm, I can imagine. Did you try kangaroo while you're out here, Rob? Mm, I don't remember. I may have. Mm. I may have. <laughs> Maybe it's something when you come back out here because I always like to ask that question when people travel out here and particularly from people when they compete on the uh, Australian Outback. I've always asked them if they ever thought about killing a kangaroo because it's a bit of a delicacy here in Australia, Rob. Is it? I don't know if I had kangaroo. I think I think I may have had, was it crocodile? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. So I think that's what we uh, what we tried, tried, although I may have tried kangaroo and I just, I'm telling you, man, with, with three kids, my mind, <laughs> my memory and my mind is going. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable, I think. Well, crocodile's actually good eating too, I uh, I will say that. But uh, Rob, I, I'm just looking here at uh, obviously the uh, statistics and records you hold here from Survivor. Obviously, as I said at the top, the only four-time player to ever play on the show. Do you ever get sick of hearing all the records and statistics you hold from Survivor? Uh, I just, I know that I was the one that played, I was the only one that played four times, and I think it was like the most amount of days, but only by like a day or two. Uh, other than that, I'm not I'm not really up on it at all. You know what, at the end of the day, I won the game, and uh, that was my ultimate goal, and it may have taken me four tries, but I finally got there, so... That's the only record that I really care about. <laughs> That's a good point. Well, your days, 117 days is the record. I actually was um, told by one of our listeners that um, you did hold the record in the world in terms of um, Survivor right across the globe, but uh, you've recently apparently been overtaken by a Swedish contestant by the name of Robert Anderson, who's played 126 days, uh, but he never won, though, so you hold a, a bit of a leg up over him. Wow. That's interesting. So he must have played three or four times himself, yeah? Yeah, he played four times apparently and never won. I mean, how would you be? Four times but never winning. You'd um you'd almost just keep trying until you win, surely. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be an interesting concept. I never even thought about that, but there are many different versions of the show around the world, right? So uh, to get different people from different versions of the show, uh, although I guess you'd have a language barrier, but uh, still the dynamics are still the same. They all know that you have to vote someone off, so it would be fun to see how people interacted in different languages and, and cross that barrier to try to play the game. Mm, yeah, we've um, spoken a bit, I think, about that before, about possible international world versions of it bringing together kind of the, the best... The the best because as you said the, I mean the dynamics there is still the same it doesn't matter whether you call it Survivor or Expedition Robinson you're still going out there to survive and, and vote people out so I'm sure after a day or two of working out the language barrier you're going to just be kicking everyone's butts aren't you are there more are there more versions besides the uh, besides the Swedish version uh, there, well I know we did have one one season of an Australian version so as far as I know um, there are still plenty of others around the world I know we get a lot of people um, messaging us in I'm pretty sure Sweden and kind of Finland in that area, obviously where it all started is um, sort of very popular. And I know in, in Finland, apparently, they just did a season in the snow. So uh, a lot of people are now saying, well, can they ever do that for the US version? Well, I don't think so. I don't think they'll do it in the US. You know, American viewers, they want to see the uh, see the people in the bikinis. <laughs> it, <right>? Very much <laughs> so. And you're not going to see that in the snow anytime soon. <laughs> no, no, not so much. <laughs> Keep that for the Canadians. They can have their version of it and put it in the snow. Ah, uh, Canadians are right. Don't mess with the Canadians. They're cool in my book. I would never do that. We we mess with the New Zealanders here in Australia. They're our little um, you know, sidekicks to the to the right of us here. Oh wow, really? yeah. So uh, I actually went and uh, spent some time 
in New Zealand too, and I have I have friends in uh, in both places in Australia and New Zealand, and they uh, they're always at each other over rugby of all things. Right? Yes, yes, very much. You so you your, your rugby seriously. <laughs> that was one of the other things I got to do while I was over there. Was uh, we went to. Uh, I think it was a sevens match. I played a little bit in uh, college. It was a club sport, but I played, and I was a uh, blindside flanker. And then I met some of the Australian guys. They were blindside flankers, and they're about six inches taller than me and a hundred pounds more than me. <laughs> and they're like, "You played what?" Like, no, buddy, you wouldn't even make the wing squad where we get where we're from. <laughs> yes, they are. There's something else. Where, where I'm from, we're um, we're very big on um, Australian rules football. Actually, very different sport. But uh, we are. When I've seen the rugby matches down here, those, those guys are, are something else. They are incredible. Okay, so I got a question for you. Go for Tyson it. Tyson and I sat in the hotel room for about a day and a half watching cricket on TV. Yes. And for the life of us, we couldn't figure it out. Ah. I mean, we have American baseball and everything else, but I don't understand the scoring and everything else. How, how does it work? The, the, the funny thing with cricket, which confuses a lot of people who aren't familiar with it, there are three different types of cricket that you can be watching. So um, to, to try and explain it briefly... Um, Every time you run between the wickets, you get one run. Uh, every time you hit the ball to the boundary, you get what's called force so of four runs. Uh, if you hit it over the, the fence, you get six runs. And essentially the goal is to try and get the most runs and then the next team comes in and bats and you've got to catch the runs or not get 10 wickets, if that makes sense. <laughs> so you score when you bat. You can't yes. score when you're pitching. No, no, no. It's called um, it's called bowling. And uh, essentially the goal of the bowlers is to get uh, what's called a wicket. So it's kind of like an out in baseball. So if you get right. 10 wickets, then the entire innings is over for the batting team. And then the other team comes in to play. But um, as I said, there's, there's three different types of cricket. So um, that's where it gets confusing, I think. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, no, it is a little bit. It was it was interesting. We couldn't figure it out for the life of us, but we probably had a couple of beers that day. And uh, <laughs> I remember, I remember we were there right at the start of the uh, NFL season, and we uh, it was it was pretty cool. We stayed right in downtown Sydney there, and we woke up early in the morning, and uh, we had to get up at like I think it was seven o'clock, six o'clock, or seven o'clock in the morning to go watch the NFL football games. It was a, a sports bar that broadcast them live, and the coolest thing was you could bet on the games right. live in the, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the bar. And uh, we, had, we had a blast doing that one afternoon or one morning. It's actually um, getting fairly big here, the, uh, the NFL. One of our um, TV network shows, I think, a game or two live a week. And um, Super Bowl time, it gets fairly big here, actually. So um, for a sport that we might not necessarily understand that much, Rob, it definitely gets a bit of fanfare here. Yeah, that's cool, man. So uh, we can we can talk about survival. We can talk about this all day. Will you tell me? Well, look, look, I'm look. I can just throw these out. We can chat about whatever you want to, Rob. Look, you know. <laughs> oh no, no, it's cool, it's cool. Are we started already? Oh, we have, we have. This is, um, I think, a oh, lot of. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's learning about cricket now, Rob. They're loving it. This is what we're here to talk about. Come on. <laughs> Did we really? We already started? Okay. We, we, we have. We have. Look, I'm telling you now, all of our listeners right now are looking up cricket. They're going, boss and Rob who? I want to learn about cricket. <laughs> cool. <laughs> We've got the selectors after you coming in for Rob. Well, actually, one of the questions we got a lot of people asking about us, um, given that, you know, you started way back when on Marquesas, what actually drew you into even applying on the show, Rob? And did you watch the first three seasons before you played? I watched uh, 
I think the season that I really uh, got into was Australia. And ironically enough, I didn't even remember Amber from <laughs> Australia. I still can't tell you a thing about her on that show. The one thing that uh, that stood out in my mind was Colby winning all the challenges. The one in particular challenge was the one where him and uh, Mike Scoopin had to hold all the bags of water. And I, I remember watching it on TV, and I was sitting there with my dad, and uh, I was like, you know what, I could do this show. And he was like, well, why don't you uh, give it a try and send in a tape? You know, almost kind of like as like a bit of a dare to me. And I was like, you know what, I will. I'll send it in a tape. Uh, so I sent one in just to try to have the experience to do it, to try to win a million bucks. Although in the early seasons, I don't even really know. In, in that first season, I don't even know that I was actually focused to win a million dollars. As uh, I just wanted to kind of get out of Boston for the winter and try something different. Yeah. But that was the one that I watched. Africa was was airing when we left. Uh, we saw a bit of it. And we may have seen the whole thing. I'm, I'm trying to remember. But 9-11 had happened right before uh, we were set to go tape. And uh, originally, our season was supposed to go to Jordan in the Middle East. And at the last minute, it got switched to the Marquesas because of uh, the obvious tension in the Middle East and everybody's safety concerns and everything else. But uh, it was that Australia season and watching Colby compete that, that really made me send in the videotape to uh, to give it a shot. Mm, well, uh, I think um, we remember a bit uh, from All-Stars, I think, when you came up against him in, uh, in, the, in the challenge there where you guys were fighting on, on the rolling logs there. Was that kind of um, really good to be able to beat Colby after seeing him do so well in those challenges in Australia? Yeah, I don't know. I think actually they did the it's a replay on that challenge and like I may have actually hit the water first. But uh, he and I he and I have gone at it back and forth a few times and uh, he's a competitor and I like that. You know, any anything that brings out the, the, the competition and brings it, it brings it out of me better, you know, someone that pushes me and, uh, and and he and I just do that. At the same time I think we have mutual respect for each other uh, in terms of in terms of the game and, and how that goes so it was pretty cool to kind of you know see it come full circle and, and just see him on the show and then to be able to go up against them and uh, just a cool experience all all in all. Mm, I'm, I'm intrigued, actually, the fact that you say you don't remember Amber. I mean, how do you bring that up with her out there in the All-Stars? You say, I don't remember you from Australia. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I guess maybe let me rephrase it. It's not that I didn't remember her or know that she was on it, but I didn't... Like, I didn't watch that season intensely. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't really into it. I was a casual viewer of the show. I think I watched it. it, it my favorite part about the show back then was the challenges, the the immunity and the reward challenges, and that that competition aspect of the show, the strategy part of the show, and uh, players and all that stuff. Kind of, I, I learned that later and got involved and interested in that as I learned more about the show. But initially, you asked me initially, and initially, uh, I don't remember her uh, competing in that respect like you did with Colby and Mike Scoopin and uh, some of the bigger bigger contestants. Mm, mm. It's an interesting point, really, that you make about Amber, I think, in, in that season, because I, I remember when they kind of announced that cast, I mean, a few people did ask that question about Amber coming back, but, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to imagine All-Stars without Amber, so we're obviously thankful that she did, and so are you, clearly, Rob. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean it worked out for me. <laughs> I think she was there to fill the uh, fill the cute girl 
role, mm. you know, <laughs> which every cast needs. And uh, luckily for me, seven and a half years later, things worked out. Mm. That's that's obviously the key thing. I'm actually not sure if you're aware, Rob. I, I've brought this up with every person we've had from the Marquesas, but um, Marquesas was actually, and still to this day, has never been shown in Australia. Were you aware of that? Has, hasn't been. Uh, it's never been aired. Been aired? Yeah. The US version hasn't aired in Australia. The, Why not? The Marquesas version, because when, when we had our Australian season, they basically aired it between Africa and Thailand. So we went from Survivor Africa to the Australian version to Thailand. So when All Stars came along, Australia oh, you had. Mean like the Australian version, like, uh, like the Swedish version, like you guys tried to do a. Yeah, yeah. An episode, a series of Survivor. Okay, I get it. Yeah, and so they skipped your original season. So we had no idea who you or Kathy were coming into All-Stars. Oh, but the All-Stars aired there, right? Yes, we've had every season except the Marquesas. Oh, that'd be interesting then. uh, What was the the perception without having seen, or I guess you, what was your perception without having seen me play on uh, Marquesas? (laughs) Well, I remember watching it, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking, I have no idea who Rob or Kathy. I want to see them gone early so all my other favourites can go through. But, obviously, Rob, I've gotten to know you now over the years, so I think I can be excused for those original perceptions. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, I get it. Everybody, like, you watch it for entertainment, and... Uh kind of funny but people live like vicariously through you because of it and will become like a part of pop culture so so but yeah i mean look at everybody i think i think that's what's really cool about survivor and the way it was set up premise wise is that you know the original concept was 16 individuals from all different walks of life and as a person or a viewer, a member of the audience sitting at home watching it, you kind of identify and relate. They cast it in a way so that they basically show a cross-section of America, or the world, actually, for that matter, you know, that crosses different socioeconomic backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, and it just it's like a hodgepodge of people all put together into this situation and it really is like a social experiment and different people can relate to and root for or root against anyone a lot of times uh i remember in the early days people would say you know i love to hate you or i love to root against you i didn't take that as like you know uh a negative comment it was like you know okay i get it i'm like the villain for you so that makes sense at the same time other people could identify with me and to them you know i was like you know the guy they rooted for so it's going to be different people are going to have different reactions based on who they identify with in their own everyday life. Would you agree? Absolutely, because I think we even find that on this show, Rob, in terms of who we get on this show. Because, I mean, we'll, we'll get some people say we're, we're doing an interview with such and such. They'll say, oh, look, we absolutely love this person. We'll get in tons of questions. Uh, recently, we interviewed Russell Hance. And, I mean, you know, it was a 50-50 spread of who we got love and hate uh, questions for. So I think over the 25 seasons, you've got basically everybody can find at least one contestant that they relate to, can't they? Yeah, I think they actually try to do it within each season. You know, it's almost like there's a prototypical archetype of uh, of a cast that they try to fill. You know, they try to fill, you know, the older father figure, the mother figure, the young hot girl, the rocket scientist guy or the smart guy, the bartender. You know, like every season, and it may be different a little bit, the surfer dude, it's there, right? It's there in every season. If you look real hard, you can see it. It exists in every season, and that's that's really just good casting. They, uh, 
they have to try to fulfill that so that they keep everybody interested. It's a good point, very good point. And it's also very intriguing because I obviously heard your interview on uh, Rob has a podcast recently talking about uh, going into Marquesas, and you just said it before in terms of uh, wanting to get out of Boston, I suppose, for the winter. At what point then, I mean, at any point in that game, particularly after, say, getting the likes of Hunter out or even Peter Harkey, were you, were you going through your mind the strategy side of Survivor and, and trying to work out how to get to a certain point in the game? Uh, you know, I just, this is a bit repetitive because I just did that other interview a few days ago, but uh, but I'll just echo echo what I said, I guess. And that is that, you know, I, I wasn't really sure, like, about the strategy aspect other than the fact that I knew that I wanted to take control of my proverbial boat or my proverbial ship. And I did, but the lesson that I learned was even though I was in control of it, it was going down. So from the outset going into Marquesas, yeah, I was there for the adventure. I was there for a good time. At the same time, I had watched Richard Hatch. I understood the concept of an alliance. I understood the strategy behind the number game. You know, in Survivor, if you break it down uh, to mathematics, I mean, you can't because I, I, I would argue that, you know, the social aspect of the game is far more important anyway but if you break down the simple mathematics of an alliance it's pretty easy to figure out strategy whoever has the most votes is going to prevail you know uh so with that in mind i just knew that i always wanted to have the majority to have a plan and a backup plan something happened in that season that ultimately i wasn't able to control we all stood on a little piece of wood and uh jeff switched up the tribes or survivor switched up the tribes you know, uh, a few episodes in, I forget what episode it was, but that changed the game dramatically, and there was nothing I could do about it. That was basically all luck. Uh, at that point, I still have to adapt and try to figure out, you know, what I can do. Uh, but when I got to the other side, when I was on the Road 2 team at that point, it was it was more difficult to figure out a way into their already uh, perceived alliance because because uh, Carol already had it, uh, John Carroll had it all had it all set up, you know, so they weren't letting me in. And, uh, I mean, I tried, but it was just difficult. It was early, you know, and there wasn't, there, was, there wasn't this idea of, like, let's shake this up, let's change it. Ultimately, that's what happened, but it happened after I had left. Mm, well, John was actually, uh, we spoke to John uh, a while back, and uh, he obviously spoke at length about how proud he was that he got you voted out. Now, does John, is he a person that surprised you never to have actually seen come back to play for a second time, Rob? Uh, no, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, it's, well, I mean, you bring up an interesting point. I mean, I, I, I wasn't aware of your interview. But, I mean, if he's proud that he got me voted out, what, is, what does that do? You know, he ultimately didn't get to the end. That's his claim to fame. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, uh, hmm, I don't know. It's a tough situation because it's like it's like these two guys that are butting heads. Uh, at the same time, I kind of get what he's saying. You know, I, I, I do understand what he's saying. Like, he got me out. But uh, I was really in the minority. There was nothing I could do anyway. I was just the one that was challenging his power at the time. And I could see the writing on the wall. You know what I mean? So he can say that he got me out, but ultimately it was because of what I said to everybody else. You know, everybody can do that about everything. Uh, everybody you talk to, you, you interviewed, I don't know how many people so far, but a lot, I imagine. Every single person 
person I bet you talk to, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, will tell you one distinct thing that happened in X particular season where if this happened, then the whole course of the game would change. So everybody really owes everything to that person. No? Yes or no? Uh, yes, 100% yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it's all crap. It, 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 do you see what I'm saying? Like, every single person thinks that their central move was key to the entire game, where, in fact, everything happens as a result of something else. So, I mean, you can pinpoint X to X and Y to Y, but it doesn't really, like, like logically, that doesn't... It, it doesn't. It doesn't add up to to equal the sum at every time. Am I losing you here? No, no, no. I I, I definitely do. And um, I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep that as a soundbite then from from when people bring it up, Rob, because uh, I think that's a perfect moment to play back to them. How does that sound? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it is true. It is. It's 100 percent true. Am I guilty of it? I'm probably guilty of it too. I am. But the thing is, in this experience, you know, that we all have, uh, like most of us fail, ultimately. I failed three times, you know, successful once. Uh, most people don't get a second shot. So in a regular season with the 16 or 18 or 20 people, most of them continuously, well, they fail, and then they don't have the opportunity to avenge that failure. So they have to make sense of it. So the only way for them to make sense of it, and this is just a human condition, a psychological condition, is they have to make sense of it by justifying it in some way. That's why anybody that you talk to, for the most part, if they're not aware of it, and I shouldn't say anybody, but most of the people, if they're not aware of it, they'll tell you how, you know, the whole reason the season went the way it did was because of them and this and that. Where, in fact, you can do almost everything right in Survivor, and this is what makes a game so great and so hard. But if you don't get lucky along the way also, it's all for naught. It doesn't matter. You have to get lucky, too. And a lot of people, they don't, uh, especially people that maybe have won the game on their first try or, uh, you know, they don't account for the luck as much as it is, and they think it's actually something they've done, where, in fact, it's probably a series of events that led to ultimately anything happening. Mm, That's very true and I'll tell you one thing, we um, we speak at length on this show sometimes Rob and our listeners hate it when we bring up the what if scenario and um, it's something that you really can never um, truly talk about accurately is it that I suppose that what if scenario on a certain season where as you say something different happens and then all of a sudden the season is different because the season played out how it did so you're never going to know how it would have played out differently if that makes sense there's no such thing as a what if scenario it's a what if scenario for for that particular moment but it doesn't you know even though it may affect the rest of the game in one way or another like the sun will come up tomorrow you can't, you know, so uh, I don't know. That's my thing. I like anyway. that. Well, I actually, I will say I like that because for everybody out there who goes off at me for bringing up the what-if scenarios, Rob, you've put me in my place for that one because I can now say there is no such thing as a what-if scenario thanks to Rob Mariano. <laughs> <laughs> there is a such thing as it, but most of the time the explanation of it is not valid. <laughs> That's all. Everybody is loving this it's right just, now. It's just abusing people's emotions <laughs> and sensibilities. Again, I'm keeping that sound clip. I am. I, I just want to quickly bring up with Sean. Now, um, on the on the tribal switch, on my cases, you've obviously gone along with Sean. Now, Sean's still somebody who you speak to this day. What is it about Sean in and out of the game that has drawn you to together to be such good friends? Uh, 
it's the same thing. He just has an easygoing personality. He likes to laugh. I'm attracted to people that, you know, like to have a good time and that are easygoing, lighthearted. And, uh, you know, I think it was like that original comedy that kind of like drew us both together. A lot of people, Sean teaches in South Central L.A., but he's originally from Harlem, uh, and I'm from Boston. So immediately we had that New York-Boston like going at each other mentality. But at the same time, we're both like... We're here out of the cold on an island somewhere, you know, like, what are we doing? And we're in charge, and what do you mean we have to find our own food, you know? And it was so fresh and so new. And, yeah, I was just saying how, like, you know, the the biggest thing, like, we're both from, like, we had the New York-Boston thing going, but at the end of the day, we're just both, like, happy to be outside of our everyday lives and on an island, like, you know, living this adventure. At the same time, it was so surreal that... You know, we always, like, did different things to keep it light. And at that time, the show was so fresh. So, I mean, we, we just connected on, on the basis of humor, you know. Mm. That was the, the main thing that I think drew us together. He made me laugh, and I think I made him laugh. And we had we had some good times at the same time. I don't think we were, either of us were fully prepared for uh, the reality that Survivor is in terms of the physical abuse. Like, since then, I've become conditioned in a way, and I know what to expect, and I can handle it. But it was definitely shocking to both of us in the beginning. It was like, what do you mean there's no food? Like, like, really? Like, we got to build our own shelter? When is it going to stop raining? (laughs) You know, and it's it's funny looking back on on that time. And uh, that show just came out on DVD not too long ago on CBS to sent me so i definitely need to pop it in and just kind of relive that whole time can't believe it's been over a decade you know but it was uh the beginning of an awesome adventure for sure yeah absolutely it is can't believe it's been 10 years and i know a lot of australians who uh, didn't initially see the season have obviously been buying it a lot since it's come out on dvd but when you got the phone call then for all stars rob how surprising was it to get called back for a second time uh i don't know i had hoped that i would there was talk you know in the early days there was talk that they were going to do like a re- union type of show uh i didn't last that long on marquesas so i wasn't sure but i felt like i made enough of an impact with the crew and the producers and 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 so forth that i had a real shot to be asked back again uh, just because of like the way I approached the game and the way I played strategically, even though I really, you know, my strategy, like I said, was just more of a numbers thing then. I was one of the few people in the beginning I felt like that got it. You know what I mean? So I had hoped that I would get the call if they, if they were to do it because it was all a rumor until they actually did it. But I didn't know for sure whether I would or not. I think I was one of the last to actually be called. Right. Uh, because Amber, Amber and I had talked about it, and she said that she knew, uh, I think it was like weeks before, before I knew that I was going. So I may have been one of the last people to actually know. Right, right. Well, I think that's interesting, actually, with the people we've spoken to from uh, from All Stars, and a lot of people when we've, we've talked about that season, I mean, they, they come out and mention that really watching that season, you were the only one to a point playing the game or playing it the hardest. Do you, do you agree with people who would say that, Rob? Uh I think John was playing the game hard, too. 
And I mean, when I say hard, I mean, like I said in the beginning, you know, we'd only we'd only seen two and a half or uh, two and a half seasons, maybe three seasons of Survivor. I don't remember if uh, Africa had finished or not before we'd gone out there. But we'd only seen at the most three seasons, so we'd only seen three different ways to play. And pretty much it was you made an alliance and you stuck with it. So the idea of having multiple alliances, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it was new or, or you know, not up, upsetting the uh, tribe dynamics by voting out the strong. We just, we didn't have a lot to go on in those early days. So I knew the strategy, and I think John knew the strategy. Other people probably knew the strategy also, but I think we kind of, took the reins a little bit more than everybody else. Mm. What about in terms of All-Stars? Would you would you think you were the one who was the strongest playing out there in terms? Because a lot of people out there just seemed to be having fun with their friends, didn't they? Yeah, they, they, did, they did seem to be that mentality, especially on the uh, Row 2 side, and we pretty much decimated the uh, Maramu side. So, yeah, I would agree with that, <laughs> that it was a little bit of like a love fest and like we're going to... We're going to show the world how everybody can get along and not really understand, you know, the fact that, like, they're playing a game for a million bucks and only one person's going to win. So, uh, yeah, in that respect, I think I I understood the strategy probably better than not all of them. I don't know. Maybe I did. I understood it better than all of them. I don't know. (laughs) Well, on uh, on All-Stars, given that Shapira was the only tribe then with uh, no winners returning on that, did you find that to be more of an advantage or disadvantage given that the winners were targeted so early on in that season? Mm, I don't know. I never thought about it. I want to interrupt you for a second. Is it hard? I have to ask you a question. Is it hard for you to, like, it's amazing to me that you understand every season, every name of every tribe, every nuance from every person. It's got to be exhausting. Well, uh, well, I can tell you I'm cheating. I do have a, a computer screen open in front of me to help me out with uh, some notes. But, um, you know, other... <laughs> but are you, like, do you live it? Do you love it? I, I do. Like, Abs- absolutely. It, like, Abs- well, I wouldn't say every day. But, um, no, yes, I, I would call myself a bit of a super fan, Rob. I, I would definitely say that. I wouldn't be hosting a show on it if I, uh, if I didn't like it just a little bit. But, um, yeah, no, I, I do. Absolutely. Do you, How often do you find people like myself, super fans talking to you on all these aspects or even just coming up to you on the street yeah no there's a few but i mean it's it's pretty i just want to recognize that it's pretty amazing what you what are you doing and like uh look at i'm not blowing smoke i'm just saying like i've played the game four times i've had the experiences and i've had i have trouble remembering like some things <laughs> and it seems like you know every detail about everything and it's funny because i just did the interview with uh rob sestanino a few days ago which we've been trying to do for a while uh, and, and it's just gotten put off, and it's funny with doing these kind of back-to-back. But it, he he knew everything about everybody way back when, and I'm sure he still does. But, I mean, that knowledge is power. And, man, if you were ever on the game, we'd have to vote your ass off first, or I would <laughs> I'd expect anyway. it. I would. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, would be, I would be offended if you didn't. <laughs> so, uh, so back to the question: Did I did I think it was uh, was an advantage or a disadvantage that we didn't have winners? I didn't really think about it. I just kind of d- went with the hand that was dealt. You know, uh, Amber was on the tribe with me. I was happy about that because uh, you know I just I wanted something to look at. I, I, I thought she was pretty beautiful. Uh, little did I know, like eight years later, right? Um, and then Sue Hawk, you know, she was gritting and grinding on everybody. Big Tom was a real fun, likable guy to have around camp who rubbed Alicia the wrong way. So 
I thought I had a pretty good dynamic, and we had Cestadino too. I thought we had a good uh, dynamic of people that that I was able to work with. I felt like, you know, had I been in the other tribes, I think maybe it would have been a different result. But it's like, you know, that's one of the parts of Survivor that you can't control, the luck factor. You know, like with on uh, Redemption Island, what happened at the beginning of the season with Russell and I, we each had to choose a buff. And there it is, you know, it's a luck decision what tribe you get stuck on. Um I like to think that I've still been able to be able to do it on Zapatera, but I don't know. You know, everything is a kind of a correlation, a result of everything else. So who knows? But I felt I felt good about it. I didn't really think about the fact that if there was a winner on my tribe or not. I know they talked about targeting the winners, and they did. And you know, my mentality at the time was, okay, get rid of the winners. It's not me. I'm not a winner. What? Do, I don't have to worry about it. You know, one down, another one down. Less for me to worry about. Mm. Mm, it's, a, it's a very good point you make about that. I actually, um, too, I mean, a lot of people obviously sending in questions about the whole situation with Amber. Was, was there a moment, Rob, during All-Stars when you thought to yourself, this is going to be more than just an alliance on a game. I want to be with this woman for the rest of my life. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't even know for sure whether, it, you know, right up until the last moment, I think it was, I, I can't remember if it was Kathy or who asked the question of the final tribal council, or maybe it was and I don't know, like, were you playing him the whole time, or was this real? And, like, literally, I didn't know, for, for sure. I knew how I felt, but I didn't know, you know, uh, until she said that. So, no, I never I never thought about it like that. Like, what a lot of people don't realize is Survivor, we shot that season, I think it was, like, November and December that year. Uh, a couple weeks after we got home, after Christmas, Amber actually came to Boston for New Year's and visited me, and we actually started to date. You know, outside of the realm of 39 days on the island. And we dated for, I guess it was about six months until the finale in May. And that's when I proposed to her. And then we continued, we were engaged for almost another year until we got married. So a lot of people think, you know, we met on the island, we were together for 39 days, I proposed and we got married. Like in TV time, it may seem like that, but it was actually almost a year and a half we dated, which is still pretty quick, you know, but there was a significant amount of time. And it wasn't until after I was able to go home and kind of like see how she was with her family and with my family and everything else to see if it worked. And, you know, mm, the rest is history. Almost seven and a half years later, and three three kids later, it's still working. <laughs> well, that's so. and we obviously hope it happens for a very long time. Was there any moment then, Rob, out there on All Stars that you ever considered voting her out? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't think I did. You know, I was concerned at one point that she was going to get voted out when the tribe switched. Uh, I was actually pretty shocked to see her come back from that when when we won that challenge. Actually thought about throwing that challenge to keep her, uh, but then you know I said to myself, at the end of this day, I'm trying to win this game for me, uh, and didn't think that that was you know the smart thing to do. Mm. So that would have been a complete different scenario. I think um, a lot of people were asking in terms of um, all the nights. I mean, you spent 117 days out there. Was that the worst night you spent on Survivor, worrying whether or not she was going to be there or not? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. 
I mean, at that point, you know, I, I liked her and, you know, I had feelings for her, I guess, but it was so early on in the relationship that, uh, no, that was definitely not the worst night. We, we had, uh, we've had some bad nights in terms of weather. And uh, there was a night on Heroes and Villains. It was early on. It was like one of the first couple nights, and we, we got fire, and we lost fire, and it was downpouring. It was before we, uh, I think it was before the first tribal council. I'm pretty sure it was. And it was horrendous. I mean, it was a cold, driving rain, and there were literally at least two people in tears crying and we're kind of like huddled together and it's pretty miserable and uh somebody said like sing a happy song and i was like all right let's sing happy birthday (laughs) we all just start singing happy birthday but that was a pretty bad night i remember that night was a pretty bad one Mm, well uh happy birthday's got to lighten your spirits up i think um i mean that's a lot of the time people will will always forget in terms of it's particularly the newer seasons rob is that um the elements don't really seem to play as much a factor in the editing now as they did back in the earlier seasons, does it? Uh, I don't think so. But I think that's because, you know what, nobody wants to see, you know, nobody wants to see people miserable on TV. They kind of make it last, like, you know, and then the sun comes up. They have the nice time-lapse montage of the sun coming up the next day. Like, it was bad. It was really bad. They'll do, like, an interview with someone saying how bad it was, and then, okay, the sun's out again. Because, you know what, though, that's, like, really, like, the underlying theme of all of this is that the sun will come out tomorrow, you know? And that's, like, the mentality you have to have out there. Because some days, like, the weather and the elements and the lack of food and hydration and everything else, it will beat you down. It will beat you so bad. And if you don't have the mentality that, you know what, tomorrow will be another day, and it may rain tomorrow, too, but at some point, the rain is going to stop, you know? You have to have that in the back of your head. That's a very good point, and uh, definitely a tip for future contestants. Now, I just want to quickly touch on some things here with All-Stars, because uh, obviously I've got a few listener questions and our five survivor-based ones to wrap things up with this chat. But uh, in terms of All-Stars, now I know you've spoken, Rob has a podcast, about the situation with Lex. Now, we recently spoke to Kathy, and we spoke to Kathy a little bit about the situation in All-Stars. Is the situation with Kathy similar to Lex? Would you like to maybe chat to Kathy a little bit now, since it's been a while, and... Uh, you know, she was from your original season, Rob, so there's that connection there as well, isn't there? In terms of what? In terms of, is the, is, you asked, is the situation with Kathy the same as the situation with In Black? terms of the, the bad blood, I suppose, after All-Stars, that kind of, you know... I, I honestly don't, I don't feel bad blood towards either of them. I really don't. I mean, Kathy voted me for me to win that season. Uh, we didn't really connect or talk too much after that season. I don't really know why, you know. Uh, it's funny, but like, um, I, I think I told... I'm trying to remember. I don't think there's anybody that season that I still keep in touch with, you know, with the exception of my wife, who I see every day. I was about to say. <laughs> but, but, uh, but you know what? It, it, I can understand, like, you know, those those early days, and that was still part of the early days. Those people's feelings got hurt. They got hurt real bad, you know? Uh, I don't know. I apologize to them, but at the same time, I felt bad because I apologized because, you know, I'm playing a game to win, and that's one of the things that I regret in the course of things. But, uh... I don't have ill will towards Kathy. I think she's a wonderful lady. Lex the same, you know? I really don't. I think it was like, uh, it's one of these situations where I don't know what I can do at this point. But uh, as far as reconciliation, I don't have bad 
blood or bad, ill will towards either of them. It's easy for me to say because I won the season, ended up on top, and everything else came my way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't, uh, I don't have any issue with either. All right, there you go, there you go. Just uh, Kathy was, um, it was very good actually to chat with Kathy because um, we. I saw Kathy actually not too long ago. Sorry to interrupt, but I saw Kathy. It was a couple of years ago. I saw her. We were in LA. We had dinner together with Sean and uh, Jocelyn. Uh, Jocelyn was one of the uh, one of the people that was on a. a trip with us, one of the uh, contesting coordinators, and a couple other people in Los Angeles. We had dinner and everything was cool. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something that, you know, I don't she know. She mentioned the uh, the 10-year anniversary that you guys kind of obviously uh, all got together there. Right, and, right. That's yeah. exactly where it was. Yeah, she definitely mentioned that you guys uh, it was... Why, does she have ill will? Does she want to talk she, to me? She can call she, me. She mentioned, she mentioned that um, she, she doesn't know if she would really want to uh, to chat to you too much, Rob, but look, I'm not trying to start something here. I, uh, you know, I'll, I'll <laughs> get you guys connected i'll be a doctor phil in the middle okay no no it's fine if she doesn't want to she doesn't have to i don't want to you know what i mean i don't want to look man my my door's open <laughs> to anybody that has issues with the way that i play the game they want to talk it out i'm here we can talk it out we'll work out the, the open door situation come chat to rob he'll make it all better you, you, you could be the moderator ben how's that yes yes just call me ben probst rob <laughs> <laughs> not sure if i look good in a in a car shirt the same way as uh, he does one thing actually finally on all stars a lot of people when we get to our five questions you'll hear this question but i need to get you to defend your wife rob a lot of people on this show contestants will often put amber as an undeserving winner defend your wife rob why is amber a deserving winner of survivor because she was right there with me every step of the way Look, at the end of the day, deserving, undeserving, it really doesn't matter. Whoever wins is supposed to win. You can't, you know, you can't say that because I'll tell you this much. Amber deserves to win because at the end of the day, I didn't do what I needed to do to manage that jury. I didn't play the social game the way I was supposed to play it. As much as, like, I would love to have won that season, like, I'm all right with it. I learned something, and I was able to have the had the ability and the uh, the good fortune to be able to be asked back and to rectify the situation. But uh, Amber definitely deserved to win. I think she's probably one of the least uh, one of the most underrated people to ever play the game. You know, because uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that all the moves, although I may have been out out front taking all the bullets for everything, she was right there with me. We talked about the strategy back and forth over and over and over again. How can you say somebody's undeserving, though? Really, you know, like, I mean, at the end of the day, right, the jury votes for the press to win. So a lot of people say, okay... If they don't like the result of the way it happened, usually what they'll say is that the jury was bitter. Very bitter, bitter jury, right? Well, maybe. Maybe maybe the jury did harbor ill will towards people. At the same time, if you're a good enough player and you're perceptive of your surroundings, then you'll understand the mentality of the people that you put on the jury, whether they're emotional or not. And if you're really good, then you'll be able to, you know put the situation in context so that you can you take that into account when you vote them out and how they're going to vote on the jury and how you play your social game so you can make the argument the other way as well you know what i'm saying man? I do. well i will say that um we we do actually have a few people on the show too who will come out um in that category and um definitely come out and defend amber to the death they are you've got your wife's got a lot of fans as well rob well i appreciate that <laughs> so good. it works yeah i don't need to defend my wife i mean she can defend herself so so <laughs> 
you. <laughs> well, well, actually, it's funny you say that because actually one of our listener questions we got um, from Lancey Morris as says, as a big fan of Amber, if you could pass on a hello to her and what do you think the chances are that she would like to appear here on Survivor Oz as a guest in the future? I'm sure she would. Oh. She's sleeping now, but uh, I'm sure she would. Otherwise, I'd go in and grab her right now and be like, come do the interview. But she's uh, inside with all the kids. I'm on the back porch. Uh, yeah. We can make that happen. We'll figure out a time and do that. I like that. that. I like those chances. Well, obviously, as I said, I'll get to these list of questions in just a second, but I just want to touch on Heroes vs. Villains. Given that it was six years after All-Stars, how surprising was it for you to get called back? And how do you break that news to Amber? And was she pissed off that she didn't get asked back for season 20? I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked that they wanted me to come back and play Survivor again. I thought... I never in a million years thought I would go play Survivor again after All-Stars. But I'll tell you something funny. After Heroes and Villains, I actually had a good feeling that they were going to ask me to come back again. And I can't even explain it why, but I came home to Amber, like, right afterwards. I mean, she knew that, like, I, I told her what happened in Heroes and Villains, and I was like, look at us in Australia. Here's all your... Here's all the stuff I bought for you while I was there, you know? I, did, I didn't win the game. I may get them, obviously, not 145 pounds. Uh, but I got a good feeling that they're going to ask me back for another season in the future. And she didn't quite understand it, and I didn't either. But I just I had that feeling. But I was, I was, I was shocked to be asked for, back for Heroes and Villains. And uh, she was, man, here's the greatest thing about my wife. Like, literally, she was nothing but supportive. She didn't ask not once why didn't I get asked back. She didn't, you know, uh, despite the fact that the time she was pregnant, you know, and couldn't go even if she wanted to, she didn't even, you know, bring it up. She's just like, go, do it, have fun. Because I think she knew, like, she'd won the game. And, like, she never had any other desire to go back after she won. And I never really understood it because I always wanted, you know, like, my ability to want to compete or my desire to want to compete and uh, and to get out there and give it another shot and just, like, live it. I love it so much. She never really felt any of that, and I never could understand it. And then something funny happened. I won Redemption Island, and I can completely see her point of view now because like I have no desire at all like I feel fulfilled do you know what I mean like I feel like I've been trying to like get to the end and win this game and I did I did it so I feel great about it and I can see things from her point of view at this point so it's pretty cool do you think if you hadn't have won Redemption Island you wouldn't feel that way um yeah <laughs> I don't think I would feel that way you'd want to go back for a fifth I don't yeah I would I would because I mean it's funny dude I play poker a lot right and in poker, the number one thing is you're not supposed to be results-oriented, meaning that, I don't know if you play poker or not, but do you? No, no, I, I unfortunately don't. No, you can teach okay. me. Well, no, it's it's a fun game. It's a strategy-based game, but the one thing they teach you is you're supposed to make the correct decision every time, and then sometimes luck will dictate that you end up losing even though you made the correct decision. But that's not supposed to deter you from, you know, continuing to make the correct decision. So if you make the correct decision and you end up losing a hand or a big pot or whatever, then, you know, it, you should feel all right about it because 
somebody else drew out on you. And there's nothing you could have done about it. And had I not won Redemption Island, you know, I felt like I played my best game. I did what I was supposed to do. And ultimately, you know, I don't know that how, what else I could have done had I not won and the jury voted the other way for me to be able to get to the to be able to get the win. So the point being that, like, I'm kind of like, even though I understand the strategy and what I'm supposed to do, at the end of the day, I'm still human. I'm still result-driven. So had I not won, I would feel like it was something that I had to change or I could have done different or X, Y, Z, kind of going back to the point that I was talking to you about earlier today about the what-if scenario, you know? So I'm still human, and, like, it still applies to me too. Mm-hmm. That's, a, again, another good point. I was going to say, uh, I'll teach you cricket and you can teach me poker. Um, and then we can kind of work out the dynamics of both at the same time. But, uh, look, that's something, again, we'll have to talk about after this interview, Rob. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, cricket's definitely... Actually, it was a big tournament. I actually played when I was in, uh, when I was in Australia. We played at, what's the name of the... Uh... The casino down there on the river walk. Uh, would it either be Crown or Star City? Yes, I played at Star City, but they also have a big a big tournament in Melbourne uh, at the Crown mm-hmm. uh, every year. And a bunch of my buddies, uh, they're like uh, professional players, and they go. So I've had the ability to learn from them as well. But we, we, I've played poker in Australia before. You guys have some good poker players there. See you back out here. You can come back and play at Crown, actually. One of my very good friends works there at the casino. So, uh, look, you know, we can uh, get you back out here, Rob. Bring Amber and the kids out and have a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, think about it. It's a long flight, man. My kids are three, one and a half in five months. So. Most <laughs> of they're a bit old. Maybe Amber and I down the yes. road after uh, they get a little bit older, we'll get the grandparents to watch them for a week and a half. I like uh, that. I like that. I'm sure Amber would love to come back out here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she would. We'll, uh, we'll definitely bring that up if we have a chat to her. Now, just before I get to the list of questions, one thing, too, that um, a lot of people always ask in terms of people we get on this show is what you're up to since your time. We don't really need to ask you that question, Rob, because I think we've all followed a bit about what you've done. But uh, I will say a lot of people wanting to know in terms of Survivor events. Now, obviously back in the earlier days, you would have done a lot of appearances at these Survivor events given you're a lot busier now. Do you miss kind of attending Survivor-based charity events and do you wish maybe you could attend more of these in the future? Uh, You know what? That's an interesting question. Like, I, I gotta be honest. In the early days, the uh, the survivor based events were more. I felt, in, in in my opinion, were more about the charities and so forth, and less of like a social event. It seems to me, and things may have changed. So I don't want to talk, you know, about everything, but it seems to me that a lot of the events now have become more about just a social gathering and a get-together and less about actually supporting and doing good and raising money for different charities. But um, it makes it difficult because I have uh, because I, I have a family, I have three kids, so in order to do that type of stuff, I, I do have to, you know, account for that entire situation. Uh, but if the right charity would have come along and it was a... It was a, a class A act, and I would absolutely consider going if I could. If I could fit it in my schedule, yeah, it's changed, man. The dynamic it used to be—it's it, an interesting question, but it's changed a lot in the past. And I mean, uh, it used to be a lot smaller. You know, mm. it used to be a smaller fraternity of people. And, like, after 25 seasons, it's grown into four or 500 people, and then all these other shows, too. You know what I mean? 
there's literally thousands and thousands of contestants from different reality shows, and I just don't have the same connection with uh, with a lot of people like I did in the early days. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that a lot of people from some of the early seasons we spoke to have has obviously mentioned that. I, I know too. We work. Well, we've had things to do with Gillian Larson from Gabon, of course, has a reality rally, and also Mike Nunes, who does Hearts of Reality and Celebration in Florida, are two that we've um, spoken to a lot in. So, you know, Celebration Florida, not too far away from you, Rob. You never know, fit it into your schedule next year, perhaps? Yeah, that sounds good. Actually, the one in Celebration Florida, I heard of a couple times, and uh, just unfortunately, my schedule didn't work out the last couple of years. I was in, uh, well, the first time I was away in uh, Shooting 80 Ways, and uh, last year, we had a family commitment to reunion but uh I, w- I would like to attend that event at some point because i heard nothing but great things about it mm. well uh we'll hook you up with mike and we'll uh, see uh, you can have a chat with him now i'll get to the listener questions rob because i'm excited to get to a few of these before we wrap it up with our five survivor based ones and people please send us in survivor oz at hotmail.com.au also on twitter hashtag is survivor oz uh, if you're listening to this interview right now too because we'd love to hear your thoughts now brian brown in pennsylvania wants to know your thoughts on who who you think the toughest player to play against? Wait a minute, Pennsylvania. I thought the I thought the callers are coming in from Australia. We have listeners from right around the planet Earth, Rob. We have got listeners in for you today from Sweden, America, Australia, New Zealand. They're all over the shop. Okay, I was just teasing. <laughs> I was just teasing. Go ahead. Who is the toughest player? To, uh, who you would think would be to play against that you have never played against before? Mm, that's a good question. I don't know. In terms of what though. You know what I mean, and just just uh, strategy or overall. We could we could give it uh, each really, couldn't we? But I mean, if you want to single out a strategic player or a, a challenge player that I haven't played against, you know, it's 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 a good question, but it's one like you put me on the spot, and I haven't given it I haven't given it much thought. Uh, I haven't given it any thought actually, <laughs> but just off the top of my head. Uh, people that have won the game, like uh, Aris or Earl Cole, or um, Earl played a good game. Yule, Yule, that's who. It, that's who it would be. Yes, Yule played an excellent game. I think he was. Uh, I think he was good all all around, socially, strategically, and physically. Uh, I think he would be a, a worthy adversary for sure. Definitely, as a player, you're mentioning Amber being underrated as a winner. Yule also very underrated as a winner. I feel because he has a very big fan base out there too, Rob. Big fan base where? In Australia? Yeah. All around the world. We get a lot of requests to get him sure on the show. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he does. Mm. Sure. Yeah, no, he was a good player. Uh, I remember watching him and he was uh, he was pretty slick the way he handled things. Brian Heideck comes to mind yes. too, uh, the winner of Thailand. He was pretty cold and calculating, although, uh, although I don't know, you know, uh, I think I would have to say you'll. Mm. Yeah. Brian, um, Brian is probably one of my favourite players of all time. Love, love Brian to bits and um, We've kind of got a, a bit of a situation going on where we're even trying to find the man, Rob. No one knows where Brian's gotten to since he's won the show. <laughs> All right. mm, he's disappeared. Yeah, well, I don't know. I heard a rumor a couple of years ago that he got into a bit of trouble from some stuff. Yeah. I don't know if it was true or not, but I don't want to perpetuate that. But... No, we're not touching that one. <laughs> We've heard things too, but uh, look, if he... I don't know the man, so I mean, it's really not my business to comment mm. on. You know what I mean? Well, um, we'll see if we can find him. I've never him. met you either, but uh, I think he was a pretty good player. I would I would go with you. I like that answer. Thank you for that question, Brian. Now, um, Noah Markowitz of uh, Riverhead in New York wants to know if it was Russell who returned from Redemption Island in 
instead of Matt, what would have happened? Would have ordered his ass off again. Straight away? Yeah, of course. <laughs> you don't want him hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> of course we would have. I mean, what else would we have done? I mean, there... there <laughs> You mean you mean if if Russell had won one challenge and kept continuing to win challenges, and then he was the one that got back, what would we do with him? I don't think it would, I don't think it would be too difficult to vote him off right right away because I think his uh, his other tribe would want him gone again anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay, I like that. Thank you, Noah, for that one. Uh, Cody Ross. Now, not only Cody, but a bunch of other people asked us a question about the show. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. Tontine, what is it and what is happening with it? I can't comment on that. Not allowed to comment on that one? No. Right, okay then. I literally got about 25 questions about that. And uh, seriously, I was going, okay, what is this? What are they talking about? (laughs) Yeah, we could ask another question, though. No, look, I will scrap that one and go into Tegan Papowski of Launceston here in Tasmania. Now, we know that you've said that you would never play again, but... But, Rob, if for some reason you played an all-winner's season, now you mentioned just Yule, so it's probably going to be your answer, who would you team up with on an all-winner's season? I don't know. I wouldn't. Here's the thing, okay, and this was asked a lot on Rob's podcast too, but, like, it's not that I wouldn't want to play again. It's that I just I don't feel the desire. I would probably want the adventure, but I feel like my journey is complete. So who would I team up with on an all-winner's season, hypothetically? Probably my wife. <laughs> That makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's a stupid question. That's a stupid answer, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I didn't know you guys were in Tasmania, yeah? Yes, I'm right here in Hobart, beautiful Hobart. Oh, I thought you were... Okay, so right off of... Uh... Man, dude, do you know one of my favorite shows on TV is Whale Wars? Have you seen that show? No, I haven't. You don't have that over there? No. Okay, it's the coolest show. It's about these, these guys, Bob Barker, the, the old host yes. of The Price is Right. Yes. Do you know what The Price is Right yes. is? Yes. Okay, so he gave like a couple million bucks to this organization and this guy, uh, Paul, I forget his last name. He used to be one of the founders of Greenpeace. They go out and they uh, they try to save the whale from the Japanese hunting ship. Anyways, it's a really cool show. And man, I didn't know you were in Tasmania, but that's, that's freaking awesome. That part of the world looks amazing. Well, there's a big thing down here. There's a, obviously a big deal in terms of, uh, as you were mentioning, the whale saving and all that sort of stuff here in Hobart. And um, I, I think that um, a, a lot of people... I've actually only spoken to two Survivor contestants, Rob, who've even been to Tasmania. So out of uh, 156 that I've interviewed, that's not a very good strike rate, is it? <laughs> no, no. But, I mean, the uh, the reason why I bring it up is because one of the uh, one of the, the main vessels that they, they use to try to save these whales is based in Tasmania, yes. in Hobart. Yes, yes. Uh, it's called the Sea Shepherd. Yes, I was about you to say the that's that's the name of it. I was trying to remember it until you reminded me. Yes, it's um very uh a big talking one of point them is here. called the Sea Shepherd, and the other one's called the Bob Barker. Mm. <laughs> that makes sense, doesn't it? Well, yeah, it's, it's obviously it's a very big deal here in uh, Hobart in terms of um, all that, the campaign and everything behind it. So, uh, look, you know, again, Rob, if you're ever out this way and, you you know, you want to look into it, we can hook you up with the people behind it. We can get you involved. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds great, man. <laughs> I think you're literally on, like, the complete opposite side of the world. Yes. 
of me right now. I just think it's amazing. Pretty much. (laughs) Different day, different time, speak to you from the future. Now, I will say that question I got before about um, Sweden was from Mikko Natri. I just wanted to mention his name, so he got his name out there to you. Uh, Just two ones quickly to touch on. Uh, Ethan Garcia, one of our Oslets, wants to know why the switch from the Patriots hat in the Marquesas to the now staple Red Sox hat in All-Stars. I don't know, but I'm wearing a Pats hat now <laughs> after the Sox season this year. <laughs> so, I'm rocking. I just got a new pay. I was just in Boston uh, last weekend, and I got a new Patriots hat because uh, the Red Sox had a rough year. But uh, we got a new manager now, and hopefully next year things will be better. Hopefully Farrell brings some uh, stability to the club. <laughs> well, um, I'm not, I can't remember the guy's name, but I know there was a, a bit in the media here in Australia about a young Australian baseballer who's been signed, I think, by a couple of the, or one of the Boston Robs, uh, minor, uh, Boston Robs, Boston Red Sox minor league teams. I can't remember his name, but I know there's an Australian who's kind of on the roster there for the Red Sox, Rob. Pawtucket Red Sox? Mm, I'm not. Is he on Pawtucket? Possibly, possibly. Uh, as I said, I'm not 100% yeah. sure. Based in Rhode Island. Mm. But, um, uh, that's cool, man. Hopefully he does good. He's from Australia, Tasmania. Uh, just from Australia. I'm not sure what part, but, um, yeah. You don't know his name? No, I don't. I'll find out for you and I'll get it to you. But, um, yeah, no, I know that was on the media a little bit here, actually. No, you won't. <laughs> I will now that you say just that. just kind of throwing it out there. No, it's cool, though. I got you. Uh... Okay, well, I'll keep, it, I'll keep an eye out. If he, if he becomes a superstar, then I guess we'll all know who he I, is. I told you here first. Now, final listener question. Chad Kinsiad wants to know if Around the World in 80 Ways is coming out on DVD. Mm, good question. I don't know. I heard it's airing on uh, on Discovery, which is, uh, it was it was originally aired on History, but I heard uh, Discovery picked it up internationally. So if you guys have Discovery Channel there, it may be on on Discovery. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's on DVD we'll keep or not. An eye out for that. Maybe we uh, we do have discovery here, but uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Now, uh, getting into these five survivor-based questions, Rob, we wrap up every interview with. I will just say, Cam Behan on Twitter did tweet us in and said that um, you are his hero, and he could not think of a single question as he is so flabbergasted to ask you. So I just thought I'd give you the opportunity if you could say hello to Cam to make his day. Ken, have a great day, buddy. <laughs> I hope you have a great year. There you go. You've made his year. Now the uh, five survivor-based questions. All opinion-based, Rob. I'm looking forward to this. Now, you've played four seasons with Jeff Probst. You know the guy. What are three things you have learned about Jeff Probst over your time on Survivor? What I've learned about Jeff, mm-hmm. uh, he's really good at what he does. I mean, but, I mean, everybody that... that uh, from, he, he was good, you know, 10 years ago. He's better now. I mean, he has, like, uh, he has a really good pulse on the show, and he's running the show now. You know, he's executive producer, and he takes control of that thing and runs it from beginning to end. So, uh, yeah, he's just a really good host. I don't know. Three things? About him that I know, I don't, I can't think of three things. I just think he's a, he's a good guy, he's a good friend, and uh, he's helped me out immensely, you know, over the years. Uh, and I just, I don't know, I got the utmost respect for the That's guy. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. We, we used to actually ask a question about uh, his cargo shirts. Do you have a bit of an insight into how many of those in a season the man goes through, Robert? And have you ever tried wearing one of his famous shirts? I have never worn one. I know that uh, you can't buy them. He has them made. 
I know that's a fact. He has them made for him. And uh, I guess ultimately he decides what he's going to wear. But in the early days, I don't know whether wardrobe did or not. It's something you have to ask him. Mm, yeah, well, you can uh, you can pass on that question for us there, uh, Rob. I'm not sure how close we're allowed to get to the man. But, uh, look, we'll try our best. Uh, question number two. In the history of Survivor, Rob, what has been your favorite season and your least favorite season? Uh, out of all of the seasons, mm-hmm. uh, my favorite season was the one that All-Stars when I met my wife. I mean, it was just such a cool experience. Uh, close second, obviously, Redemption Island that I won. And uh, I, I really don't have a least favorite season. I mean, there, there were a couple seasons, like, in the middle that I just didn't, you know, it kind of blended together a little bit, only because Amber and I were busy, you know, doing other things and running the race and doing doing whatever else. Uh-huh. But we still love the show. We absolutely love it. And we watch it every single week. And if we don't watch it live, we DVR it. But uh, literally, we watch every single week. And, you know, I still, I still find it amazing that some people still don't understand the strategy behind it after 25 seasons. But I love the show, and I, I don't really have a least favorite. That's fine. We, um, we actually, the, the man you were just on an interview with last week, who people hate me bringing up this quote, said, Rob Sesterdino said on this show that Survivor is like pizza. Even when it's bad, it's good. So uh, I think that's a quote we like to use a lot on this show. Yeah, that's a good quote. Mm-hmm. That's pretty accurate, mm-hmm, too. Mm-hmm. I, um... He's pretty good with this one line. Mm-hmm. I think what they're saying. <laughs> he is, isn't he? <laughs> with the saying. We just need to keep him on our standby. I like him. I got to reconnect. I haven't talked to him for years, and uh, the interview that I did with him was a lot of fun. Not to discount yours no of course not absolutely fun, not but, uh, <laughs> it's cool to, uh, to have been able to have a conversation with not only somebody that I was able to play with but somebody that's a huge fan of the show and that has like you know I guess much like yourself probably more so but has like literally lived it every single day and he's doing it and he loves it and I just I think that was really cool you know it was cool to reconnect with mm, him. absolutely and I know um, I, I listened to it as soon as it came out I know the uh, a lot of people the reception of it went very very well, and uh, I will say hello to uh, to Rob uh, if he happens to be hearing this, and I will also say hello to all his uh, his shows followers who no doubt are listening to this too. Now, our third question, Rob. I know the answer to this question. I have to ask it anyway, otherwise people will go off at me. In the history of Survivor, who is the sexiest ever contestant? Yeah, hands down, my wife. <laughs> well, it would have to be. We would be wow. worried if you said other. <laughs> I think Amber would be worried. Yeah, no, she's. <laughs> and the thing is, you know, I man, she's sexier every day. You should see her with uh, with our kids and. She's an unbelievable mother and a great wife, and uh, I really, really feel fortunate in that area of my life. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. And uh, we will make sure that when we get her on this show, Rob, that she answers you for that question as well. <laughs> she can answer whoever she wants. <laughs> she will, she'll answer nobody but me, though. <laughs> Every single question yeah, we right. ask her. Rob, Rob, <laughs> Rob. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. And she says Richard Hatch or something. Right? <laughs> no, she says Philip Shepard. Then you're screwed. <laughs> Oh, uh, Shepard's all right. Leave, leave Shepard alone. He's a good guy. Well, actually, one of the questions we got um, was funny, actually. They said, uh, what was more annoying to deal with, the no-no flies in the Marquesas or Philip Shepard's in Nicaragua? <laughs> Let me tell you about Philip Shepard. That guy, he had an experience like no other person that I ever met on Survivor. He literally went from, like, the most closed-off, like, just closed-minded, like, 
I'm like one directional attitude to a complete open mind, someone that was willing to like go with the flow and see different things. You could literally see the transformation that this guy went through over 39 days. And uh, to this day, I still talk to Philip, and I think he's a, I think he's a good guy. I like him a we, lot. Um, he's actually, I think he was the third or fourth guest we ever had on this show, actually. And uh, for a very long time, he was the only person from Redemption Island we'd ever spoken to. But um, I, I quite enjoyed Philip's interview, I will say that. And uh, I did quite enjoy um, watching him on your season as well, actually. So hello to Philip, should he be listening to this? Yeah, he's very entertaining. He's a character, and I think, he has a, I think he's got a bright future. I don't know. You know, uh, in terms of what, but I just, I, he's a driven guy and he's motivated. And uh, I like Philip. A lot of people, you know, I think he's misunderstood by a lot of people. But I, I uh, you got to kind of walk a mile in a man's shoes to see to see what he's like and to understand him. And he's lived a he's lived a pretty pretty amazing life. If you sit down and talk to him and actually listen to everything that he has to say, he's all right. I like Philip. Well, that's good to hear. I will actually, before I get to question four, Rob, I just want to let you know, we had our big poll recently where we got people to vote in these questions we're asking you as well as other aspects. You were voted the seventh sexiest survivor male of all time in our poll. I just thought I would let you know that. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I'll be sure to tell my tell my wife she's married to number seven. I think that'll make her day too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Amber Cat, <laughs> just do that. Like, like, literally, was that your attempt at like a rub? <laughs> oh, all the way, all the way, absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, whatever. T- take the shots that you I will, can. I will. Just where wherever I have available, I'll take them away. Uh, Amber came in tenth in the women's one, by the way. I, I mean, you know, just I thought I'd update you because you know she's number one though. Great. So we're averaging the six over here. <laughs> We'll change that for next year, Rob. We'll get you higher. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, buddy. I'm, I'm good with it the way it is. Cool. Well, uh, question number four. Now, uh, part of this question uh, you've already answered, but I'll, I'll just mention what it is. Now, the part of was who is the most undeserving winner in the history of the show. You've obviously already answered that. But the other part, I will say, in the history of Survivor, who is the most deserving person to have never won Survivor? The most deserving person. Man, these are like such like big questions. The most deserving person that never won. Hmm. This is going to sound like rehearsed because I just spoke with him, but Sestanino played a really good game in Amazon. And uh, it's kind of funny, dude. Like, like I kind of feel like the person that won deserves to win. Does that make sense? Like, like the person that won deserves to win. Maybe like kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier like the winner is the winner and that's it uh, unless you can you, you can't control that's the one great thing about the show is that the jury vote the way they want to vote without any type of you know guidelines or rules they can vote how they want to vote and a lot of times that's based on emotion so it's your job as a player to take that into account and if you don't then I don't think you can say you deserve to win because you didn't take it into account so you may be sitting with somebody that's so-called ride road coattail the entire time or sitting next to someone that you drug to the end but if you didn't do your due diligence on the jury then you can't really say you deserve to win you know what I mean if you're looking for an answer I, I mean uh, the first person that comes to not mind is Sestanino but I gotta feel like uh, I really have to feel like the person that won deserves to win and that's just me that's my personal 
personal preference. No, I like it. I understand it. And I, I quite like that uh, answer, Rob, because we've had v- various people uh, answer certain ways in that question. And um, the more in-depth somebody goes into their reasoning, I, I take it better. So, Rob, I will take your answer better than I do some people's on that one. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> just, just giving you some props there for it. <laughs> well, uh, the final question on this show in the history of Survivor, Rob Mariano, who is the greatest ever contestant and why? There is no greatest contestant. There is none? No, there is no greatest contestant. It comes back to the fact that there are so many different ways that you can play this game and play it well and win and not win. And there's so many different strategies. Like, considering the company of all the different seasons and all the different people that have played this game, there's no such thing as a greatest ever. Like, the greatest ever is the game itself. I mean, that's the real genius behind Survivor, is the fact that every season you can start off with 16 different people, 18 different people, 20 different people, people that have played the game before, not played the game before, mix them together, all different scenarios, and every single time you're going to have a different result. So I don't think that one person could be considered the greatest ever. I think the greatest ever is the game itself. And I guess the person responsible for the game itself or bringing the game to us is Mark Burnett. So he deserves really all the credit. I like that. And I'm going to tell you now, Rob, we had uh, Mark Burnett on the show last week. He answered you for the greatest ever contestant. So you just kind of gave each other the same answer, didn't you? (laughs) Wow. Great. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Well, that worked out very well, actually. Ironic, yeah. No, I, I really do feel that, though. I really, really do feel like, you know, the the really cool thing about this game is, in fact, the game itself. Like, you know, the fact that it is so hard, there's so many factors that you have to take into account, and, you know, you have to also account for something that you can't really control, which is luck. So on any given day, a number of different scenarios could happen and change the result one way or the other. Absolutely true. And uh, again, I, I love that answer. It's a, one of the uh, the more unique ones we've had in this show and I think probably one of the best ones, Rob. And I, and I will say too that in terms of guests, you have been an absolute thrill to have a chat too. Good luck with everything in your future. There's so much stuff going on and uh, obviously I will say good luck with that. Uh, good luck with just uh, with being married still and having the kids. Please pass on our details to Amber because we would obviously love to get her on the show and uh, we uh, no doubt might try and get you back here on the show one day in the future mate to our chat all things about maybe cricket next time how does that sound yeah it sounds good that sounds good were you really still recording all that stuff at the beginning i was i was <laughs> yeah, okay cool oh, no it's fine i just <laughs> that's awesome all right ben it's been a pleasure speaking with you too and i appreciate it and uh yeah Cool. Good on you. Thanks all those years ago to Boston Rob for appearing on the show. Funny story. I, I do remember that um, we, we landed him. We got the interview all ready to go. And then out of nowhere, uh, Rob has a podcast. We're like, hey, guess what? We've got Boston Rob on the show. So it was like released about two days before we even recorded. So it was very frustrating. We thought we'd had this big scoop and uh, that happened that way. But uh, that's the nature of the beast sometimes. But uh, I'm sure Boston Rob fans are going to be very excited to see him 
on our screens once more uh, for this season and the next season. We're about to get a lot of Boss and Rob as well as Sandra too. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, stay tuned to the Oz Network. We've got plenty coming up. Of course, Island of the Idols coverage coming your way very soon. Um, other coverage, Lost, uh, Third Watch, Movies, Australian Survivor, you name it, we've got it. So uh, best place, of course, theoznetwork.net. All those episodes under the one roof. Or, of course, if you subscribe to our uh, podcast feed or our social media pages, you'll get all the updates you need with those. So uh, by all means, go to that, stay up to date, and we appreciate your coverage here on the Oz Network. But until we next week again, my name is Ben. Thanks for choosing the Oz Network, and we'll speak to you next time. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.